It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Monday mailbag. We've got your questions about Everson Pereira of the Yankees, Owen Casey of the Cubs, and some middle infielders in Toronto and Chicago. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So, Monday Mailbag, as we do every single Monday, questions, all of these come from listeners of the show. If you have a question for us, tons of ways to get it into us. Best one's probably the subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Those folks get priority. Today's show comes almost entirely out of subtext. First question was about Everson Pereira of the New York Yankees. 2017 IFA and an outfielder. And the question was about, is what he's doing real? And should he get called up to New York to help for the push to the playoffs? What Everson Pereira has done this year 29 games in AAA and 46 games in AA. So 75 combined games. Slash line, 305, 370, 550. 16 home runs, 35 extra base hits. 27 walks to 88 strikeouts and 8 to 10 on stolen bases. There is good and bad in this, in the numbers for Everson Pereira. When he went from AA to AAA, and it's a much smaller sample size at Scranton Wilkes Bar, only 29 games, but the batting average goes from 391 to, I'm sorry, from 291 to 325. The on base from 362 to 382, and the slugging goes up 10 points from 546 to 556. Uh, the home run rate goes up, the extra base rate hit goes up. Uh, stolen bases, he doesn't attempt nearly as many in AAA. And I guess if you're hitting a bunch of home runs, you don't necessarily have to steal a bunch of bases. But I don't necessarily think Everson Pereira is quite ready for the bigs. And there's a couple things to point to here. The first one is the raw power is fantastic for Everson Pereira. A lot of the conversation is... 70-grade raw power, probably going to be either 55 or 60 game power. We've talked about this all the time on this show. The everydayers can say it with me. Your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. And so you'll always have a raw power number that's higher than your in-game power simply because uh, raw power is just, if the ball's on a tee, how far can you hit it? Game power is obviously dealing with different velocities and movements and how well that translates into the game. And one of the things for Everson Pereira is his contact rate isn't actually that great. He's running a 66% contact rate. And a lot of that is because he will chase, right? Uh, So it's something... And I think we have some of this baked into the profile, right? Like we know Everson Pereira is never going to be a high average guy because of the amount of chase that he has. But 
I think the hit tool will still get to average. And offensively, you're looking at a guy that could fill in in center, can play in a corner. Uh, but the question's going to be how well does the bat translate to Major League Baseball? And I do think the numbers got better in AAA as far as the strikeout rate, as far as the slash line, and everything like that. And I think that when he makes it to the bigs, whether that is this year or next year, you're going to see probably an adjustment period. It may be right away. He may slump when he first comes up. He may be on fire for a couple weeks and then have an adjustment period. But those guys that have really high chase rates, it feels like they always have an adjustment period where the book gets out on what they can do. Uh, Pitchers start pitching them differently. Opposing teams approach them differently. And they have to adjust what they can do. And for Everson Pereira, it really feels like he's going to struggle when teams say, okay, we can throw a slider down and away. It's going to start in the zone and it's just going to dart out of the zone and he's going to chase it almost every single time. And I don't know right now at this moment if it's the best thing to do to say, yes, let's bring that into the 2023 version of the New York Yankees. Because... The issue with the New York Yankees in 2023, yes, you've not gotten great performance out of your non-Aaron Judge corner outfielders. Isaiah Falefa has been a left fielder for a good portion of the year. He's been playing third base in the last week, and you've had Billy McKinney in left field. But it's just not something, I think the issues with this Yankees team are not something that Everson Pereira is going to fix. Now, is he going to give you a Above average defense in the corners? Yes. He has really good reads and routes and reactions. He's got an above average arm. The speed's above average. The accuracy isn't always there with that arm, but it's good enough. He's played all three like this year. 25 games in center, 24 in left, 20 in right. He's got, he could make it work in center field, but with Harrison Bader there, obviously he shifts right over to left field. Judge and right. That's a pretty good defensive outfield. but. I just don't know if, from an offensive perspective, he's going to be successful enough right away because of the issues he has when he faces quality spin and when he faces pitchers who can locate very well, live on the black, and get him to swing at suboptimal pitches. And then again, I don't think the issue with this Yankees team is fixed by bringing up Everson Pereira to play left field. I think the issue with this Yankees team comes back to a rotation that after Garrett Cole and Clark Schmidt, your number three is Luis Severino. Your number four is Randy Vasquez, and your number five is Johnny Brito. I think that's a bigger issue, not having Nestor Cortez, not having Carlos Rodon, not having Frankie Montes, not having Luis Gill, not having Domingo German. I think all of that is a bigger issue for the Yankees than not having Everson Pereira in left field. There is a very real possibility that you see an end-of-season call-up and Everson Pereira come up and get some time, especially if I believe DJ LeMayhew's missed four or five games now. If he ends up having to go on the IL and IKF is playing third base for a good while, I can see the uh, the appeal of bring up Everson Pereira, keep his rookie eligibility. That's a big thing. Keep rookie eligibility just about in every situation. Bring him up, see what he can do, but either way, give him a taste of the bigs and of major league pitching. 
so that he knows what to work on in the offseason so that hopefully next year when we theoretically have everybody healthy is the time when we can look at making the run, taking the national, taking the American League East back. In just a minute, got another question from another subtexter, Jeff, about Owen Casey of the Cubs, and we'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful, and if you want a not stressful way to find last-minute tickets on sporting events, music, comedy, theater shows near you, Game Time is the way to go. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. So the Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid on, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly where you were sitting and what the view is from there. Just a couple taps on your phone, you buy the tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. You don't dig through emails, you don't have to open PDFs and things like that, they're right there in the app. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Another question from a subtexter, Jeff asked about Owen Casey of the Cubs, and my impressions of him and is with what we've seen this summer, is this all we're going to get from Owen Casey? So, and it's a, it's a bit of a loaded question, and I, I want to dive into the context around what Owen Casey has done for the Cubs. So, 2020 second rounder by the Padres out of high school was moved in the U Darvish deal over to the Cubs. Just turned 23, I think, like a couple weeks ago. But on the season, he spent the entire time in double A with the Tennessee Smokies. In those 95 games, 293, 394, 554, 21 home runs. 48 extra base hits, 56 walks to 132 strikeouts, again in 95 games, and 6 of 15 on stolen bases. Rather than just the conventional scouting report, I want to talk about these stats for a minute because this is a situation where just looking at the slash line can be a bit misleading. If you'll remember, and I've talked about it a couple times, and I'll put a link to some of the shows up here on YouTube, or I'll link him in the show in the show notes. We've talked about the sticky baseball that AA used in the first half of the season. And so pitchers had a very prominent advantage in the first half of the year in the AA Southern League where Owen Casey has played. For context, okay, I've got his overall season walk rate and strikeout rate and contact rate. For the entire season, 12.8% walk rate, 31.6% strikeout rate, 68% contact rate, okay? Now, July 14th is when the second half of the AA season started. So July's numbers, July's offensive numbers are pretty much half and half old ball, the tacky ball, and regular ball, 
that's not tacky, that does not give an advantage to pitchers. So I mentioned the overall splash line for Casey was 293, 394, 554. In the month of July, 21 games, when he used both ball, they used both balls half and half. It went up to 325, 469, 623. He struck out 25 times in 21 games. In the month of August, small sample size, only 11 games, but his slash line is 390, 438, 756. 10 strikeouts in 11 games to five walks. He's got three home runs and eight extra base hits. So if you look at just the second half numbers, Owen Casey's walk rate has gone up from 12.8% to 14.5%. His strikeout rate has come down from 31.6% to 24.5%. So 7% reduction in strikeout rate is a big deal. That is legitimately significant. Now, granted, it's been just since July 14th, so the sample size isn't as big. But when you get them back into a normal baseball, and it's more of an even playing field between the pitchers, and the hitters have been significantly better. His contact rate goes from 68% to 72%. Every, all of the peripheral stats for guys in the double A, for the most part in the double A Southern League, have gotten better. And just even anecdotal evidence Jackson Churio has been on a power bench. Junior Caminero hit three home runs on Saturday night for the Montgomery Biscuits because he's finally getting a chance to play when he's not having to hit those tacky baseballs. All of the prominent prospects, for the most part, in the double A Southern League are doing significantly better now that baseball is gone. And so that's what makes prospect evaluation sometimes more difficult than it needs to be. Because obviously, one, we don't have a lot of the information on what they're trying to teach these guys, right? You'll see a a pitcher outing in the minors and you're like, oh, that was awful. And then maybe you talk to somebody in the organization and you find out, yeah, no, they told him you can't throw a fastball because they wanted him to work on tunneling the changeup in the slider or something. So like it's things like this that make prospect evaluation tough, but it's also things where MLB changes some of the fundamental parts of the game. There's nothing more fundamental to baseball than the baseball. And MLB changed the baseball for half of the season. And we are now a a month removed from that change. And so there's probably some guys, and I think Owen Casey's a great example of If you are a big dynasty baseball person, there are players that are undervalued versus where they should be because you have some owners who have only looked at the slash lines and they have said, oh man, Owen Casey is having a severe strikeout issue. He's striking out a ton. Maybe his ceiling isn't as good as I thought he was. Maybe I'd be willing to move him. When you look at what he does, the scouting report, and you're the eye test, and I, I know people hate hearing the eye test, but the swing, it's a very simple and smooth and easy swing, and he does have above average power in there. The defense is really, it's good enough to the point where he's going to get extended playtime when he gets to the bigs. The defense in corners is at least average, if not above average. I think it's above average. 
He's played 80 games in right, six in left, eight at DH. You can tell they do the arm. It's usually grades somewhere between above average and plus. He's got nine outfield assists this year. The speed isn't necessarily fantastic. And you can see stolen base numbers, six of 15 on the season. I do think he's better at going first to third on a base hit than he is at stealing bags. And some of that's going to be coaching, understanding when, you know, when to make the jump, uh, timing the pitcher, understanding sequences or understanding preferences and the way guys do things. Some of that's education. Some of that's a little bit of innate skill. He can get better at that. He's never going to be amazing at it, but he can get better. But Owen Casey's the perfect example. And there's quite a few guys like this. And in probably about a week or so, we're going to do a show on after a month of no sticky baseballs in double A, who is significantly better in the second half than the first half. That show's coming hopefully the end of this week, maybe early next week. But Owen Casey's a great example of a guy that may have been written off by dynasty owners or fans may have seen some of the stat lines and said, okay, he's probably not going to be able to contribute in Wrigley like we thought he would because of the strikeout issues. Whereas in reality, MLB messed with the most fundamental part of the game and it put him in a bad place. And he's doing better, not great, but better now that they put that back to normal. In just a minute, a couple more questions from the subtext. Aurelvis Martinez of the Toronto Blue Jays, and then me defending my ranking, my number four organizational ranking of Jose Rodriguez of the White Sox. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back into Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. Reminder, if you have questions for the show ideas, things like that, tons of ways to get them to us. Best ways, probably the subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Anthony, longtime listener of the show, one of our everydayers, asked about Arelvis Martinez of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I'm a little bit surprised he asked about Arelvis Martinez because Arelvis Martinez, to my knowledge, has never been a Modesto nut. But 2018 IFA by the Blue Jays and has spent most of this season, all but about three weeks, in AA New Hampshire. He's got three weeks in AAA Buffalo. The combined slash line, 230, 337, 470, 20 home runs, 35 extra base hits, 51 walks to 85 strikeouts, and one for one on stolen bases. Now, when he got promoted to AAA Buffalo, and it's a smaller sample, but the batting average went up, the on-base and power went down. Some of that's going to be adjusting to the talent level, some of that's going to be adjusting to the park. I'm trying to remember from the COVID year of 2020, but I think Buffalo plays a lot bigger than a lot of other AAA parks do or AA parks do. But looking at what he does, the raw power is fantastic for Aurelvis Martinez, but he really struggles to get it into games. His max exit velo in AAA, and again, small sample size, but this is the only place that I have access to exit velocity data. His max exit below in AAA has only been 106. And a lot of that comes back to contact quality. And it's because he chases a lot. And so he gets in disadvantage counts. And the overall contact numbers aren't necessarily great. Just like Owen Casey, he's right around 68% contact percentage. And some of it's going to be swing decisions. Some of it's going to be pitch recognition. Those things obviously go hand in hand. You have to have the pitch recognition to make the correct swing decision. Uh, and then some of that's going to be adjusting to the level. I do think that he is 
still an asset that's going to be able to help the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't think it's going to be this year, especially when you look at what he does, right? Shortstop and third base. Uh, I think he's better at third than short because of the range. The speed isn't great. He's one for one on stolen bases. He's literally only tried to steal a base one time. And usually when you see a minor leaguer with one stolen base, it's something where it was a very obvious scenario, a passed ball, something like that. And it probably could have been scored defensive indifference. And they gave it to the guy because it's the only time he's ever tried it. He's good enough to play third base. He's not going to be a plus defender from what I've seen. But we said that about Josh Young of the Texas Rangers, and he got better. I do think I do the arm for Elvis Martin. I do think the arm is strong. It's questions about the range. And you have a big question to make if you're the Toronto Blue Jays because Matt Chapman is going to be a free agent. And if you re-sign Matt Chapman, that gives you options for what you do in a longer timeline for Elvis Martinez. But I guarantee you right now, because the trade deadline's done, right now, the Toronto Blue Jays are doing their evaluations of, do we think Aurelvis Martinez can be a starter for us next season? And if we think he can, we can commit less money, try to re-sign Matt Chapman for less money, and we have a positive asset, or we can rededicate that money somewhere else. Maybe it's we think Whit Merrifield needs to come back. We think he's going to continue having an 80th-something percentile sprint speed at age 36. He's like 84th percentile at age 35, which 35 is not that old. I'm older than that. But in baseball terms, it's like almost ancient for a second baseman outfielder. And so like they've got options. Do you have to sign a bridge guy? I do think Aurelvis Martinez still has the ability to work out as an at least an average contributor at the major league level. But again, the whole question is going to be how much more improvement can you get on the pitch recognition? and the swing decisions. Wayne, new subscriber to our subtext, glad to have you, Wayne, asked about my ranking for the Chicago White Sox of Jose Rodriguez as the fourth best prospect in the system. And I think this is another example of where you have to be careful about the stats in the AA Southern League, right? 74 games on the season for Jose Rodriguez, 265, 297, 459, 16 home runs, 31 extra base hits, 15 walks to 80 strikeouts in 74 games, 22 to 28 on stolen bases. So walk percentage below 4.5%, 4.4%. Strikeout rate over 23%, 23.3%. Contact rate of right around 73%. And one of the things that I said when I was talking about Jose Rodriguez was I thought his hit tool was a plus hit tool. And so obviously it comes back to, okay, he batted 265. He struck out 27% of the time. Let's defend this a little bit. And the power is always only average. I do like in the mechanics of the swing. It's a simple swing. He does a really good job of controlling the barrel so that he can hit balls to all fields. It's more gap power than home run power, but he can put the ball to all fields. And then defensively, he has all of the tools to be better than average at, sh- at second base or average at shortstop. It's kind of a mental thing at this point. But the, the defense in the numbers for Jose Rodriguez comes back to that baseball again. So here's his stats in the 21 games he's played after they changed baseballs. Back to the normal baseballs. Remember, his slash line was 265, 297, 459. After the baseballs. 296 
330, 469. The, the, the batting average and on base both go up about 30 points. So 296 hitter is a lot closer to, yes, he has a plus hit tool than 265. Uh, four home runs, nine extra base hits, five walks to 21 strikeouts. So right around one a game, nine to 10 on stolen bases, which I don't know why I threw stolen bases in there. It doesn't necessarily matter on the baseball, but I'm just, I guess I'm used to giving stats that way. His second half numbers, the walk rate, still not great. It went from 4.4% to 4.9%. It did get better. Strikeout rate came down from 23.3% to 20.4%. But the big thing for me is he already had a healthy contact rate of 73%. But after July 14th, Jose Rodriguez has a 79.9% contact rate. So it got significantly better when the double-A pitchers did not have the advantage of the really good, tacky baseballs. So to me, that's reason to still believe, uh, until he shows us otherwise, maybe the end of the season we'll reevaluate this, but until he tells us otherwise, to still think, okay, he has the requisite skills to be a plus hitter. And when he's on a more level playing field, he still is playing in pitcher's parks. Montgomery, Mississippi, those are all pitcher's parks. But when he's on a more level playing field, he's coming closer to hitting 300 like we thought he was capable of. Again, the power output is still not necessarily fantastic. 470 slug compared to a 460 slug that went up a little bit. I think that could continue to tick up. And again, with only 21 games, that could be a small sample size thing. I have not looked to see where those 21 games were. They could have been all in really huge pitcher's parks. But Either way, I do still think Jose Rodriguez is worthy of the number four spot in the system from a skill standpoint, over overlooking the first half stats or weighting the first half stats to understand the advantage that pitchers had. And that's definitely, again, that's a show we're going to do. I want to give it about one more week to have just over a month of stats, around 30 games. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at the guys who have had a much better uh, second halves in AA Southern League than they had in the first half. If you have other ideas for shows that you think would be great or questions for this Monday Mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. There's tons of ways to get them to us. They're all linked in the episode description, whether it's the Discord, email, subtext, whatever it may be. But in the meantime, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.